Wish you could ask us your questions, share your can't evens, or tell your farm story to us out loud. You can do that now by calling and leaving us a voicemail. Just call 401-426-3276, which is 401-426-FARM. If you've been putting off typing your farm story because you don't want to, that just takes too much time. Well, now you can call us and just tell us about it. We love to play these voicemails on the minisodes like the one you're listening to right now, but obviously we will still take your stories, questions, and can't evens in written form as well. Bottom line, we just want to hear from you. So make sure you call us and leave us a voicemail at 401-426-FARM. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? I am drinking a nice, hot, piping cup of coffee. Yay! I feel like we need a coffee sponsor. I mean, for real. Why don't we? Why hasn't anyone contacted us about that yet? (laughs) We need a coffee sponsor because not only have we drank a lot of coffee, I think 2021 is like the year of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) For our podcast. And we have merch now that has coffee involved in it. So not like we're grounding our own coffee, but like we have a cute new line that has the word coffee in it. So if you guys haven't checked it out, you should. But yeah, no, if you are a coffee tycoon or coffee small business owner and would like to sponsor our podcast, please email us. We would love to talk to you. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Especially if it's good coffee. Yes. (laughs) Our drink peep this episode is our friend Natalie Quist, and she is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Oh, I'm so excited for this dive bar. I am too. And it's kind of funny how this one came up. Because we were recently on another episode talking about gardening, and you said the term intercropping. And I'm like, oh, God, what is that? So I had to, like, Google it really quick, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And it'd be great to talk about in a dive bar, because if I asked what the heck is this, maybe somebody else did too. Yes, exactly. So today we're going to dive deep into what intercropping is, ways to manage it, And maybe you'll figure out whether or not you'd like to give it a try on your farm or in your garden. Yeah, I am very excited for today's episode. And intercropping sounds super dirty for some reason, (laughs) but it's actually not that dirty at all. I mean, it happens in the dirt, so maybe it is. I don't know. Anyways. (laughs) I was going to say, it's only like dirt dirty. (laughs) Yes. There we go. Dirt dirty. All right, so Bev, what is intercropping? So intercropping is basically just a fancy word for the practice of growing two or more crops close together. And 
It's also known as companion planting, mixed cropping, relay cropping, interseeding, overseeding, underseeding, and smother <laughs> cropping. So there's lots of words for basically like the same general thing, which is just planting two or more things in close proximity to each other, like in the same bed or in alternating rows in a field. You can do intercropping like several different ways. So don't get like too caught up in how you have to do it or anything. And in fact, polycultures is another form of intercropping. Mm. Poly just, you know, means like multiple. So there you go. Interesting. I like it. <laughs> the thing about intercropping, though, is in order to do it successfully, you do have to pay close attention to the timing of your planting. And you'll also need to monitor like how your plants are doing together because a lot can go wrong with intercropping. And I've made lots of mistakes doing it. So we'll talk about that just a little bit later. But if you do want to give it a try, just know that your first few years, you're probably going to be kind of like bumbling around trying to figure out like how to <laughs> do it right in your space. Because, you know, we all have different water and light and soil. So like what works for me isn't necessarily going to work exactly the same in your planting space. Yeah. It's kind of like gambling, really. I mean, that's basically what gardening is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only because there's so much out of your control. I mean, there's a lot that is in your control, but there's a whole lot of things that aren't. Like, yeah. how many pests are going to come up this year or what the weather is going to be like. I mean, those are like two key things that your garden needs or shouldn't have in it. <laughs> yes. Or even just like what's actually going to come up when I plant a seed because I don't like thinning plants and I'm finding that it's leaving a lot of holes in my pretty little rows. And now I'm like, well, shit, maybe I should put myself in a situation where I have to thin my plants and pull plant multiple seeds at once. <sighs> Damn it. So it's kind of like gambling too. I, I mean, <laughs> cause it's like, do you want to be conservative or do you want to go big? Because going big might pay off, but it might not. I mean, I'm always a go big kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So there are a few advantages of intercropping and they fall into three basic categories. One of them is that when you intercrop both of the plants or multiples of the plants, because you can intercrop with more than one thing at a time, they might use resources like light, water, and nutrients more efficiently together than a single crop will. Like one really great example of that is the Three Sisters garden. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the corn and then you have the beans that are planted to climb up the corn. So the beans use the corn stalks, but then they also fix the nitrogen in the soil because beans are a really heavy feeder. And then the pumpkins help shade the ground so that the corn doesn't have to compete with the weeds. So like that's just a really big intercropped bed, essentially. Mm -hmm. So there's a really great example of it. And these crops do better together than they would if they were all planted in separate beds or separate fields. So intercropping can help you improve your harvest yields, which is pretty cool. The second benefit could be lower instances of insect pests. And this isn't always guaranteed. There's a really great podcast. It's called Just Grow Something Podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes so that you can go check it out. But her name is Karen, and she's actually one of our podcast listeners. And she started a gardening podcast, and it's really good. She's a horticulturist, so she like has all of the real deep, like, 
book and hands-on knowledge of the plants that we don't have. <laughs> nice. And she just released an episode about some garden myths. And um, marigolds is one that people like to say, <gasps> you know, will always prevent pests in the garden. And, you know, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Like, it just kind of depends, <laughs> you know? Like, it's a maybe. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anything. No, it doesn't hurt anything. But you shouldn't bank on it. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't bank on it. Like, And they look really pretty. So that's the other thing about intercropping that I kind of like. So even if, you know, your intercropping doesn't necessarily prevent pests because of like what the actual intercropped plants are, I do like the aesthetic of intercropping. But the reason why people say that intercrop plants may have lower instances of insect pests is that the mixture of plants can confuse the insects. So they're not like a hundred percent sure what's there because there's just like too many things around so they move on to something that's a little easier like a like a monoculture bed that just has one thing in it also the mixture might be able to attract beneficial predators so like marigolds are said to potentially attract the oh shoot what are those those parasitic wasps that get the tomato hornworms so that is a possibility. You might be able to attract those kinds of insects, which will help protect your plants. Or you might like attract ladybugs so that they'll eat the aphids, you know, things like that. And the last benefit of intercropping is that it might allow for a more effective management of cover crops. So, you know, you cover crops so that you don't have any bare soil because weeds grow in bare soil. <laughs> and it also helps prevent your soil from eroding and lots of rain and intercropping might allow for better management of that. But intercropping isn't just as simple as like throwing a bunch of seeds or plants out there and just like hoping that they do well together. You have to consider the timing of your planting. Uh, I'll give you a really great example. I intercropped tomatoes and peppers together. That's actually not a great combination anyway, so I don't know why I thought it would work out well. <laughs> but the tomatoes grew so much faster than the peppers, and then they shaded the peppers. Oh, whoops. Yeah, and peppers need lots of sunlight in order to create peppers. So that was a really bad intercropping combination to begin with. But you have to consider like how big your smaller plant is going to get before it gets shaded out by mm. the bigger plant. And then because what can happen is like you can think, oh, well, I'm shading this plant, so I'm protecting it from the sun and it's a you know more gentle plant, so it doesn't need as much sun. It still needs some sun to like get to its adult growth stage, essentially. Right. And if it gets shaded too soon, that plant just won't grow at all. So that won't work wow, wow. <laughs> yeah basically and you also might need to like intervene to keep competition between the intercrop plants in balance so think like crowding out or too many leaves all being together and like trapping moisture and causing fungus issues there's a lot of things that can go wrong with intercropping too so you have to keep a close eye on it Something else to keep in mind, too, is that just because something worked one year doesn't mean that it will work the next year. So if you decide to go all gung-ho and intercrop all the things this year and they all do magically and then next year you try it and it doesn't work, there may have just been like the right mixture of weather to make mm. that combination work well. And the next year your weather was different, so it didn't work as well. So 
That's one of the reasons why I like to keep a planner to write down some notes and stuff. So then maybe I can figure out why something didn't work or why something worked so well. So I can keep that in mind when I'm making my plans for the future. But that can be kind of overwhelming thinking that far ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But picking up on patterns is super helpful. And depending on the size of your garden, I imagine writing it down. Because, like, it's going to be hard to retain all that and remember and keep your ears straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last thing that you'll really want to keep in mind is that a mixture of plants with, like, different growth forms or timing of development might make harvesting or planting more difficult. So you want to kind of keep that in mind, too. I don't like to plant anything that could be, like, really itchy, like... I'm thinking squashes where I'm going to have to reach my arm in to like harvest something behind it (laughs) because then you're going to get stabbed by it. (laughs) Yes. Stabby plants. Uh, Why do so many plants have to be stabby? I don't know. And intercropping can also cause some problems if you rotate your garden beds. So like if you manage a larger farm, you're very familiar with the term of crop rotation. And people rotate crops because it separates when you're planting different crop families so that you can help bring down instances of pests or break up disease cycles and also use the soil nutrients more effectively and not deplete all of one type of nutrient. So like across the street from my house, they rotate between soybeans and corn Some fields rotate between wheat, soybeans, and corn. All of those are different plant families, so they use the field differently. And so they do that so that the soil can work on rebuilding something else, you know, that got depleted by the prior year. But also, like, if there was a disease in that field, that same crop family isn't there for that disease to take hold again. So then it just kind of dies out. So cool. It is. It's super cool. It's a neat way to work in tandem with Mm -hmm. Mother Nature instead of against her. Yes. If you're still feeding your flock mealworms, listen up. With Grublies, you can give your chickens all of that protein for their feathers, plus 50 times more calcium for their eggs. So say goodbye to throwing handfuls of made-in-China mealworms to your chickens, and hello to a happier, healthier flock with Grubly Farms Grublies, the official chicken snack of the Drinking Farm podcast. Grublies now has World Harvest Grublies, which are grown all over the world, but never in China. The original Grublies, and they have feed. Talk about a one-stop shop for feed and healthy chicken snacks. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order. So Bev, what kind of intercropping activities, outside of what you already told us about the tomatoes and peppers, um, (laughs) what else have you done this year? So this year, my favorite intercropping bed, I actually like intercropped all of my beds, but that's because I like a really like kind of wild looking garden and I like things to kind of be all over the place. I think it makes for a really nice aesthetic. So that's one of the reasons why I like to intercrop. But this year, the one that I'm most excited about is I decided to intercrop uh, rows of onions in between all of the leafy greens that were growing in my lettuce bed. So the way that I did it was I planted all the lettuces so that they grew up and they were maybe like 
three inches tall or so, but they had like, you know, a hand palm of space in between the rows. And I was like, you know what? I bet I could fit my onion sets in there. So I trenched in between each row of the lettuce greens and I planted my onion sets in there. And the way that it'll work is the bulbs will develop under the soil and the lettuce roots won't interfere with the bulbs. And then as the onions grow, it gets hotter. So the lettuces will eventually, you know, need to all be harvested or pulled and fed to the chickens when they bolt. And by that time, the heads of the onions will be taking up more space and there won't really be room for the lettuces anyway. So it was a good way to not have to dedicate a whole bed to onions and then a whole bed to lettuces. So I got to save some space. But also the onions are really useful in the lettuce bed because rabbits don't really care for onions. So the onions planted in between all the rows can help prevent the rabbits from wanting to go up there and sample the lettuce bed. So there we go. Nice. So that one's my favorite. And so far it's working pretty well. Some of the lettuces got a little big, so they're shading the greens of the onions. So I can see that the onions aren't growing quite as fast as I think they should be. But as long as I don't end up with any like bulb rot in there, the lettuces should be coming out within the next two weeks. So then they're going to get like all the nutrients and all the sun and those onions are going to totally take off. So I think it's still going to work out really well. I also did broccoli with dill and marigolds all around them. I'm hoping that that will help prevent some of the cabbage worm issues that I've had in my garden. I don't do very well with brassicas. I end up with like all the cabbage worms. <laughs> and I also basically planted like flowers, different kinds of herbs and green beans between like almost all of the plants and all of the beds in the garden. And I did that, you know, for looks because I love the way that the color looks and the flowers and whatnot. But also I'm hoping that those things will help attract pollinators to those areas and keep the available space for weeds down anywhere where there's a gap in your garden. If it's not covered in mulch or a plant, a weed will grow there, guaranteed. <laughs> yes, they have a way of finding a way to the sun. <laughs> they do. And I planted the green beans because I love them. I harvest so many and freeze them. But also green beans are a good nitrogen fixer. So I figured they couldn't hurt mm-hmm. having them everywhere in the garden. So we'll see. But if you want to give intercropping a try, I recommend that you learn about the different plant families and figure out what competes and what can live in harmony together. And the way that I did this myself is using the book, The Backyard Gardener by Kelly Orzel. She has a section in there that's all about the different plant families and like what goes after them, what kind of issues they end up having. And she talks about which families work well with other families. And that can help you kind of plan your intercropping like accordingly. So you can just make sure and not plant two things close together that either have the same insect that likes to go after it or has the same disease that comes and overtakes it. Because like if you fill a whole bed like with just like, I don't know, I think I'm thinking like tomatoes and cucumbers, like both of those get lots of powdery mildew. Uh-huh. You can end up with like a whole bed that's just filled with powdery mildew. But if you separate those things and rotate them around, then maybe you can help break up that powdery mildew cycle. So, yeah. Woohoo. That was it. That's my intercropping talk. Yeah. yeah. It was a good talk. I appreciate the new knowledge I just gained. 
<laughs> so if you guys do any intercropping, join our Facebook group and tell us about it. Because we want to know what combinations you use, like what area you live in and what's worked and what hasn't worked for you. All right. So just really quick, a few housekeeping items. If you're listening to this, make sure you hit the, well, follow or subscribe button. I guess if Apple says follow, maybe the other ones still say subscribe. Anyways, click the button where you're going to get our episode automatically downloaded so you don't miss an episode because downloading our episodes helps other people like you find our podcast. And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts because we read those every week on the regular episodes and you get entered into a monthly drawing for a super cute exclusive coffee mug and stuff. Please tell us when you get yours because we're so excited for you to get it and see the new design. It's amazing. And while you're listening to us, if you could share that you're listening to us in your Instagram stories and tag at Drink and Farm, we would really appreciate that. And as a token of our appreciation, we will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in our merch shop. So make sure you take a look at the show notes for links to resources for this episode, our social media, our merch shop, and other fun things. And seeing that just reminded me, I forgot to shout out where I got some information for this episode from. So I checked out a place called SARE.org, and they had a publication about crop rotation. And I referenced that for some of the benefits and information about it and like technical information. So be sure and go check that link out in the show notes. So that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. And I guess until next time. Drink farm and give zero clucks bye guys bye we drink things we farm things we drink and farm things it's not too late to put in your 2021 poultry order with my pet chicken my pet chicken offers a variety of chicks ducklings goslings and hatching eggs as well as everything else you would possibly need to raise your new feathered friends We absolutely love that we can put together our dream flocks without a per-breed minimum. Let your crazy chicken dreams come true and go to mypetchicken.com slash drinkandfarm to order. When you use that link, it lets My Pet Chicken know we sent you and helps support the podcast.